to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm Matthew Bruckner, an associate professor, almost tenured at Howard University School of Law. My guest tonight is Renee Nicole Allen, an assistant professor of legal writing at St. John's University School of Law. We're going to discuss Renee's new podcast, Law Props Are People Too, a podcast about the lives of law professors. Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted that you're able to join. Fun. A podcast interview about a podcast. (laughs) A first for me, and uh, Brian, uh, who normally hosts the show, is so prolific, he may have done more of these, but as far as I know, a first for Ipsy Dixit as well. Cool. Um, so I like to start off just by, you know, asking people to sort of, you know, summarize what it is we're going to talk about. You know, people are busy, and so what's, you know, um, should they listen to the rest of the podcast? So give us the, what's the elevator pitch for your podcast? What's it about? Why should people listen to the show? Um, so Law Profs 2 is a podcast about law professors. Um, I thought it up one restless night early uh, in the COVID pandemic and kind of fleshed it out with some colleagues to see if there would be any interest in listening to a podcast about the lives of law professors um, and decided to go at it uh, despite maybe not so much interest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, if you want to know more about the podcast and why I decided to do it, I think um, this conversation is for you. Um, and same thing with the podcast. If you want to know more about law faculty as people um, um, outside of what we do for our jobs, then uh, Law Profs 2 is the podcast um, you want to check out. Great. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I feel like um, these days lots of people are starting podcasts and they're about all sorts of things. Uh why this one, right? Why um, this format, these questions? Uh, what sort of motivated you to sort of start this particular podcast? So one of the things that I, I think a lot about is when I attend conferences, so AALS, SEALs, um, I always, I, I look forward to those conferences, but not really so that I can meet new people. Um, I look forward to those conferences so that I can hang out with former colleagues from, you know, schools that I've been at or people that I've met along the way. Um, and, you know, it's it's just, I, there aren't many opportunities to really get to know people. Um, so that was one reason. Uh, we won't probably have many conferences this summer and maybe not this year. So uh, I thought it an opportunity for us to in- engage and get to know each other in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, I just finished my ninth year of teaching in the law school. Um, and I've thought a lot about how I can be my authentic self in the classroom and, um, you know, build deeper relationships with my students and being myself um, and figuring out what that means while also being, you know, a respected educator um, has been challenging. And so I thought this might be an opportunity for all of us to think about um, how we can humanize ourselves um, in the classroom. And so um, in as much as students listen to the podcast, I think it gives them a little bit of insight into just their professors as humans, um, not as legal scholars. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, well, what is the format, right? So what can people expect if they tune in? Uh, they're going to get to know more about law professors, um, but you have sort of, um, you know, a sort of from the three or four of them that I listen to, you sort of a standard format for the interviews. I do, and I hope to keep this going. So my plan is to interview six law profs each season, um, and I ask four lifestyle questions, the same four questions for every six interviews, and then I ask a one-gotta-go question 
Um, which is supposed to be a fun question, though I don't know if my first go at this was really fun because I asked law professors to eliminate a first-year subject, um, and um, some of them found that difficult to do. Um, so, um, so that's the format of the podcast. Um, what I'm hoping to get is a conversation. Um, and so sometimes we talk about more than just the answers to the questions. Um, all of those things don't make the episode because I try to keep them between 10 and 15 minutes. Um, but um, the more conversational, the better. Um, so if someone wants to talk a whole lot about what they love to eat and why they love to eat it, even though that's a three-part question, I just let them talk um, because it makes for really good um, conversation. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, so of the five questions that you ask, um, that the uh, what is your favorite food portion often sort of dominates the conversation or at least the, the length of time. Uh, that I feel like that first question um, uh, takes a lot of the time of the, of the show. And as someone who likes to cook uh, and, you know, likes to see, you know, your pictures on Twitter, amongst others, uh, of the food you're making, like that was that was very interesting to me. Yeah, I think it's me. Um, you know, I don't, and I don't know if it's because people know me and they know I'm, I cook and I'm a foodie. Um, but anytime someone starts talking about food or ice cream or baking, I'm all in. So <laughs> the conversation, it's probably my fault that the conversation goes um, a lot longer on the food part because I could talk about food all day. Um, it's going to be really hard not to ask that question um, in season two and in season three and wait a little while to bring that one back because um, it's my it's my favorite thing to do when I'm not teaching and writing and researching um, is, is eat and also cook. Maybe you could do the standard like law professor thing in a law review article, which is say the same thing, but just say it in a slightly different way. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I mean, since it's only five questions, can you tell everybody what, what are the other questions that you, uh, you ask people? Um, so the questions for season one uh, were, uh, what was your favorite food, music, and movie or TV show? Um, what You're stranded on a deserted island. What's the one thing you hope you have? Um, what's your favorite way to relax? And if you weren't a law prof, what would you do? Um, and then the one got to go question um, was one of them had to go and the subjects were um, contracts, criminal law, torts, and property. Uh, overwhelmingly property had to go um it was- i feel redeemed uh, <laughs> i saw that uh that question on twitter uh and um i, I felt that uh you know property was definitely the one and then somebody mentioned like oh they were civ pro professors like oh civ pro wasn't even mentioned right because obviously it must stay and i was like i you know hadn't even thought to question the premise uh, civ pro would have been a top contender for me too yeah you know it, i had to i I mean, that was a question of self-interest, right? So I picked the, for me, Civ Pros would obviously stay. And so I didn't even think about putting it <laughs> there. And, and so um, that's probably why it did not appear there. Um, but that question, um, so I took the questions live on Twitter. And I think I'm going to do this again at the end of each season. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a really great conversation. I saw a lot of um, non-law professors chime in, especially on the one got to go question. Um, which was really awesome. The discussion there and the debate there just went on for days, and I thought it was great. Yeah, so I think it was an interesting uh, um, contrast with the podcast, right? Because you, you said you'd hope to sort of, you know, have a conversation. I feel like part of the 
um, the fun of the question on a platform like Twitter is the back and forth. Uh, and it's just, you know, it just seems like harder to replicate on a, you know, on a one-on-one, you know, maybe you could pose the question on Twitter first um, and, uh, and then you'd have sort of ammunition to probe your, uh, your guests with um, all the comments from Twitter about their choices. Yeah, that would be cool. I also thought about using uh, Twitter to, generate some questions right so what if mm-hmm. you know i have some questions in mind for the second season but i'm kind of curious about what other people want me to ask um so um, i may use twitter um to get some ideas about questions going forward and if people want to weigh in um what is your uh, twitter handle um so my twitter handle is at prof allen tweets um and the podcast is at law profs two t-o-o Great. I'll put those in the, the liner notes for the episode as well. Um, so one of the things I really, so I really like podcasts, or at least I used to when I went outside the house. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, I like a lot of interview podcasts, and I feel like um, I've a lot of the people that I listen to um, really think about, you know, how they ask questions and what questions to ask and what makes a good question, what makes a good answer. Um, and so I was curious, you know, why, why did you think these were good questions to ask? Um, you know, what, um, what do you think, you know, do they, do they make for good answers? Have you had any surprising answers? So forth, so forth, that sort of thing. Um, so first I'm not really a podcast listener, which means I probably am the last person who should have dreamed <laughs> up and started hosting a podcast. Um, I started listening to podcasts, um, when I moved to New York, um, in August, because I lived in places where I had very short commutes. And so there really was not enough time to listen to anything. And I had a commute again when I moved here. And so I picked up a couple um, and I liked them, um, but um, they weren't interviews necessarily. So I have a, some interesting taste. That's a whole nother um, podcast interview. We won't go there. Um, but I wanted you know, I just wanted them to be interesting questions. I thought about, you know, what our students might like to know about just the regular mundane things that we do as people. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe even some of the things that we have in common with them um, that they might not suspect. Um, and so when I was thinking about the questions, that's kind of where I started. I also think it, I thought it might be hard for law professors to open up. Um, and so I wanted to keep the questions, um, you know, easy, non-threatening, um, you know, not too invasive um, into uh, folks' personal lives. Um, so I felt like most of these questions were questions that law faculty wouldn't mind answering and their answers um, wouldn't need to be filtered for certain audiences. And, and we could just have a good conversation about, you know, things that make us feel good, like music and food and reality TV and movies. I think that, you know, I think that's right. I had a friend who um, used to um, like come up with questions where, you know, everybody had, you know, an answer to sort of ready at hand, um, and, you know, just like icebreakers. And so, you know, he'd ask like, um, like how many brands of uh, diapers could you name? Cause everyone's like, well, there's like um, huggies or loves, but then like, you know, maybe people have a few other ones, but like there's, um, Another one was like, you know, what what are the sort of um, events in the decathlon? It's like, oh, well, there's, you know, like there's a obviously some running, there's this, but like, and, you know, so there was sort of a generated conversation, right. um, which I think was the the, the goal, and um, was, you know, I think was was always interesting. Um, one of the podcasts I like to listen to is Here's the Thing, which is um, 
Alec Baldwin hosts it. And, um, you know, he's in his own right, a celebrity and sort of is often interviewing other people. And one of the techniques he uses is to talk about his own um, stories or foibles. And that really gets other people to open up um, in a way that um, is, I think, and, you know, so the podcast is sometimes about him more than the guest, at least in the sort of, you know, some of the questions, uh, but it also sort of, you know, tells something about him, which sounds like something that you're also interested in. Um, so do you have any sort of, you know, um, techniques uh, for question asking that you use? So I actually answer all of the questions in the conversations that I'm having with people, but I edit myself out of the final product. Um, Because ultimately, while I want this to feel like a conversation as it's happening, um, I want the listener to feel like this podcast episode is about the person I'm interviewing, not about me, especially since I'm going to ask the same questions six times, right? So you don't want to hear me talk about my love for cake and ice cream over and over and over again. Um, so I usually edit myself out, but I, I think it helps drive the conversation. Um, if I also answer the questions, um, because you know, it, it, that's what people do in conversation, right? Generally that's how that goes. Um, though I didn't think it would be that great for my audience to listen to me say the same things over and over. So I was actually really excited when the live tweet, um, session came up because it's kind of my opportunity to weigh in um, on, you know, answers to the questions and things that I edited out of the episodes. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's also interesting too. So um, because in part, I think it goes to a question I was going to ask about sort of audience, right? So I feel like you talked a little bit about law professors knowing each other and, get, and especially, you know, in the absence of conferencing and, and whatnot. Um, uh, and certainly, you know, a Zoom conference is not going to have the sort of social interaction opportunities that um, a live in-person conference would have. Um, but you've also mentioned students um, um, wanted to listen to, you know, this podcast about, um, about their law professor. And in that case, um, they may want to listen to, you know, um, uh, podcast, uh, this one because you are in it, um, but not another one I would host because they don't care about somebody else that I'm interviewing. Um, and so, um, do you have, you know, statistics on, uh, um, listenership and, uh, re- repeat listening and that sort of thing? So I can't really tell, um, who's listening. I think I took, um, the least expensive path, path to putting this podcast out And so I've learned since that there are definitely um, some systems for tracking better analytics. I don't have those. I'm using a free source right now. Um, But um, before I put too much money into this hobby, I wanted to make sure it was something that people would be at least a little bit interested in. Um, So I might explore that. A couple of my students who, you know, are just really wonderful and awesome have told me that they listen to it. And I really appreciate um, them listening. Um, but, um, you know, I have no idea who, who's listening. Um, I'm wondering if the, you know, if I can keep some of the mem- momentum going from the live Twitter conversation, that there might be more students engaged, because there certainly were a good number of students re- responding to um, that one got to go question. I can imagine they've got uh, views about which which class should go. Right. Um, well, great. I think that that's, uh, that's been interesting. Um, so I'm curious, um, you know, about the, the guests too, right? So you've, I think, completed now season one, um, and, um, you know, um, curious about the guests you had on the show. Are there people, um, that you've, uh, you'd like to have or the people you've sought out? Um, you know, how, how do you choose? There's something certain I think about, um, you know, 
Uh, we're talking now after my kids have gone to sleep. Uh, and so I just don't do, you know, I don't do more than one of these in an evening. And, um, you know, uh, unlike Brian, I feel like is doing four episodes a week sometimes. Just, uh, you know, how do you choose um, who to talk with? How do you decide uh, who's going to make for an interesting guest? Yeah, it's been pretty random. Um, I certainly thought initially that I would invite people to be on that first season who have pretty strong Twitter followings because that was going to be the place where I promoted the podcast the most. Um, but really just any tw- anybody who responds to any tweet of mine is fair game. Um, so any anyone who says anything in response to any one of those Law Profs 2 tweets, I'm usually hitting them in their DM and saying, hey, do you want to come on? You know, and lining people up for now season three because I have a, a, a um, I'm booked for season two, which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so people with strong Twitter followings, but also, I mean, I, I talk to people um, this season who I don't know at all, um, which actually I think made for a better interview because I didn't know them either. So I was trying to find out about something about them too, like the listener. Um, I also want to I'm really conscious about not excluding anyone. So I want to talk to law school faculty from librarians to academic support um, to, you know, casebook faculty. I want to talk to everyone. I want to talk to people who teach at law schools, but might not be on full-time faculty, but certainly, um, you know, have a a teaching role at their schools. Um, You know, I want to make sure that, um, that this is an inclusive place. And so, um, so it's really important to me to talk to people um, in all different specialty areas. No, I very much agree. Right. So my, um, uh, my area is bankruptcy. And so I've talked to people about um, bankruptcy and you know, student loans and, and financial technology as well. And so I've talked with people about these subjects, but also all right, right. Yeah, if it's not sort of an area where I'm sort of deeply invested in personally, it's something I want to talk with, um, um, junior faculty, fellows, people on the market, people um, who you know, need to have their voices lift, lifted up because, um, you know, this, again, time is short and it's nice to have um, to give space to people who haven't maybe had the, the opportunities before as well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I spent, you know, I teach legal writing now. I spent eight years in academic support and bar prep. Um, and so, you know, I definitely want to make sure that, um you know, voices that are sometimes marginalized in law schools are are going to be able to be a part of this. Um, it's really, it's really important to me that that happens. Um, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I've got uh, two more questions for you. Um, so um, what uh, what's your big takeaway from uh, doing season one already and sort of having lined up season two? Right? What have you sort of learned from or taken away from this experience? So podcasting is hard. It's like a whole second job. Um, I mean, like I, I, you know, like you said, you do this late at night, you know, once your kids are in bed, um, you know, I don't have children. Um, and, and still I find I'm not quite sure how manager juggle. It's just a lot of time. It takes a lot more time than I anticipated. Um, so I think that's, you know, I've learned that I, I, um, have a close law school classmate who started a podcast about six months ago. Um, and what, and I listened to it, um, you know, I want to support him. Um, but what I, what I didn't ask him and what he didn't tell me is that he has people who edit his 
pod. So he doesn't, he doesn't do any of this himself. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm listening, like his podcast sounds so good. And then the first time I sat down to edit an episode, I'm like, what is happening here? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, um, it's tough. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, you know, but it takes a lot of time, uh, to cut out, you know, two seconds of audio from, uh, you know, a one minute clip and then keep all the clips together. I mean, it's just, it takes a lot of time. So that's been a, a huge learning experience. Um, I think the other thing that I learned is that you kind of can't do a podcast without a studio, a studio. And so I am right now in my studio closet. Um, <laughs> I am sitting on top of my laundry hamper. I have pushed my clothes to the side so that I can make space for myself. Um, but the audio quality sounds much better from my studio closet. Um, I have a couple of my uncles are professional, um, voice, do professional voice work. And um, they kind of told me this, but of course I'm like, no, I can do it. My mic will be fine. And so those earlier episodes aren't as great because I was not in my studio closet. Um, but um, so I learned that. Um, and then I think, you know, the probably the biggest takeaway for me, and this is um, something that I think with remote instruction, um, became a lot more clear because I was recording myself all the time and I hate watching myself, but I needed to watch myself to make sure that um, my deliverable to my class was okay. Um, I say, um, a lot. And so, and there's no way you can edit out every, um, or slow. It's just a weird quirk that I have. I've learned to accept it. Like I just, I'm over it. I say, um, every other word, it's just a part of who I am. And initially it annoyed me so like when I listened to the first couple of episodes I was counting every time I said um or so because I said it so often um but now I'm okay with it I'm just it's just a part of who I am um and so and I think it's a human part of who who I am which is kind of all part of what I'm doing um so it's okay that there's some so's and ums and whatever those quirky phrases are that we rely on when we're kind of put on the spot or maybe a little uncomfortable. I get nervous over everything. I'm nervous right now. I'm nervous when I do my own podcast and I don't, I know the questions and I know what I'm going to say. I, it just, these, we're human, right? I think that's kind of the biggest thing that um, I've kind of learned to be okay with. So I also, uh, um, and so all the time, and I think it's because, fills the fills the space it's, i think it's to make the other person more comfortable by not having what you perceive to be an uncomfortable Does silence um no, there you go <laughs> well, you have to tell me years ago i did a podcast with drew dawson at, who's at miami at abi and they had somebody do professional edit it and uh and they cut out basically all of the ums <laughs> and it was amazing but this I mean this podcast is basically not edited at all, so uh, you'll you'll hear what you hear, and then um, that makes it go a lot quicker. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to leave off and uh, end the episode um, by asking you one of your own questions um, from from the podcast because uh, people haven't had the chance to hear you talk about this, and because from our Twitter feeds, it seems like a shared interest. Um, so you have some amazing um, food pictures uh, from uh, the sort of quarantine. And uh, I'm curious, um, what is your favorite thing to, to make at home? Um, so probably it's a tie. 
it's like the law professor you can't ask one to say one thing right I learned that this season I kind of already knew that but I was hoping to be wrong and I wasn't <laughs> um, and I'm also one of those people so it's a tie um, I absolutely love um, a homemade from scratch cake um, really any kind of cake I don't know that I've ever met a cake I didn't like uh, my birthday was last week, and so I, I made a hummingbird cake uh, for the first time, and it was wonderful. Happy birthday. Um, I wouldn't tell you if it wasn't wonderful because that's who I am. <laughs> um, but it was really good. It was it was actually really good. Um, so I love cake, any kind of scratch cake. Uh, I grew up watching uh, my great-grandmother and all my aunts like crowd in the kitchen on holidays and just make these spectacular cakes and um, I mean, we just eat dessert for days. It was wonderful. And so I was always waiting to be in the kitchen. Um, and by the time I got old enough to be in the kitchen, my grandmother had passed away and some of those traditions had kind of died. Um, and so I've taken them up on my own. And, and every time I'm in the kitchen, I kind of think about being that little girl and just being awed by, you know, them in the kitchen creating all of these wonderful things. So cake. Um, and then... Um, was that a year or two ago an ex of mine bought me an ice cream maker and it totally changed my life um and so now I'm I, I rarely eat ice cream out so like I can't just buy a pint anymore it's just not the same um so homemade ice cream is one of my favorite things to make and eat real sweet tooth it sounds like that's dangerous making cakes for yourself in quarantine oh man so I threw away a, like less than a quarter of the cake yesterday i gave away maybe two slices but i was pretty proud of myself <laughs> <laughs> i've been working out a lot i think we all have you can make friends with your neighbors this way too drop on yeah. a cake for them yeah there's a the super in my building actually I, I ran into him um coming from the grocery store and i'm like hey do you want cake this is the third time i've approached him <laughs> this way um i actually this is bad i don't even know his name every time i see him it's just hey do you want some cake <laughs> Um, and he'll come up and get it. So he got the two pieces, um, to kind of help me finish it up. This is a good way to make new friends. Yes. All right. Well, we'll leave off there. Um, my guest tonight has been Renee Nicole Allen, uh, assistant professor of legal writing at St. John's and her podcast is law profs are people Two, a podcast about the lives of law professors. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. <laughs> Onions. <laughs> so cut yourself 
a piece of cake and make yourself at home. Go cut yourself a piece of cake and make yourself at home. I'm sorry that I can't cook steak, but cake is so high tone. You know, I can't bake potatoes or even fry tomatoes. So cut yourself a piece of cake and make yourself at home. Yourself at home. 